Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Every single month you take ibuprofen every month and it doesn't dawn on them like, oh, you know what? I do take it every month and I am, you know, this is what's happening at my cycle. And so we have been taught as a society, just as you said, there's a pill for every ill so we can check out of our body and then just take this pill and not really pay much attention to it in the moment. And then over time, the snowball rolls and gets bigger and bigger. So Yasmin, today's episode is pretty much about PMS. Yeah. And um, I remember when we were talking last week, you mentioned something about how when you were really going through your menstrual troubles, you had hormonal acne, mm-hmm. you had really bad cramps, and you were talking about how you just didn't feel like yourself and how you didn't want to go out and you know certain things came up around that time. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I can relate to that. I've been through that myself. And I just would love to hear a little bit more about you know, so often we hear the other side, like I'm out of it now. So looking back, you know, it's all good. But how did you yeah. feel when you were kind of in it? Man, it was it was so debilitating to the point where we started a company around it. I mean, because I was like, no one should be suffering like this, especially when you are on the other side. You're kind of amazed like, wow, if I only knew certain things to do earlier in my life, I would have saved so many days of not feeling like crap not feeling like myself. And I mean, honestly, I would say there would be, you know, three to four days a month where I wasn't performing well at work. I wasn't excited socially to see people. I had such, such horrible cramps, such bad, bad, uh, excuse me, bad breast tenderness. And it just makes you not really excited about life. And I think about that a lot because, you know, now I feel like I'm finally in a place where we're creating, we're creating this business via that we're so passionate about. And I'm doing, you know, this podcast and it just requires so much passion and energy. And I really truly don't think I could be doing everything that I'm doing now if I was dealing with these horrible PMS symptoms that at the time I thought was completely normal. So it's like, I'm so passionate about conversations like what we're going to get into today of educating women on what they can do to really reach their highest potential, because I didn't even know that existed. And really even thinking about my PMS symptoms at the time, what was the cherry on top is what what you just mentioned, was the hormonal acne actually came later. I got off birth control. It was like horrible for my cramps. Everything was just back with a vengeance. But it was really the cherry on top where I was like, this is actually stopping me from going out and doing things was the horrible acne that I got every single month where I'm still dealing with repercussions of scarring from that time. So, you know, I, I'm just so passionate about this because I've been there. I know how hard it is, um, but I'm really passionate about putting the education out there because there are ways to shift how you feel, shift your hormones, um, which I'm excited to talk more about. But yeah, tell me more, Kay. I know you've kind of gone through your own journey of, you know, all these kinds of hormonal imbalances. Yeah, you know, the probably the biggest thing for me was the way that my skin dealt with my hormonal imbalances. Um, I didn't necessarily have just hormonal acne. I had acne caused by gut imbalances, food intolerances, and I struggled with it for a very long time. And I still, again, like you, Yasmin, I have scarring. I'm still mm-hmm. kind of working through it. Um, I think the one thing that I will say, and it's a lot easier said than done, is if anybody's listening to this and they have something they feel really insecure about, if they have acne or whatever it is, please, from the bottom of my heart, I'm asking you, do not let it stop you from living your life. Mm. Because I look back on those experiences and towards the end, I really tried to just continue to do what I wanted to do regardless. But in the beginning, I really prevent it from... Showing up in social situations, or you know, even if somebody wanted to come over and I didn't have makeup mm-hmm. on, I would say like, I can't, I can't hang out right now, or whatever it is. And I look back on that, and I just think, gosh, we let so many of those things, whether it's um, not feeling like 
skinny enough and our bikinis stop us from going to the beach or letting our acne stop us from going out or whatever it is. And I just kind of look back on that girl and I want to hug her and I want to say Mm -hmm. like, uh, please don't let those types of things stop you from getting out into the world because you just don't want to have any regrets. And I also understand that that's easier said than done, but you can work on your health and still be out in the world. You don't have to perfect everything before you can put yourself out there. Like people want to hear the stories while you're going through it. So, um, you know, I think this podcast episode is going to be super helpful for anybody who's dealing with any of the things that Yasmin talked about. PMS, breast tenderness, cramps, whatever it is. So we're super excited to introduce today's guest. Yes, we'll be interviewing today Dr. Carrie Jones. She's a internationally recognized speaker, consultant, and educator on the topic of women's health and hormones with over 20 years in the industry. And Dr. Jones graduated from the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon, where she also completed a two-year residency in women's health, hormones, and endocrinology. She was the medical director for the Dutch Test for several years and is a clinical expert for the Lifestyle Matrix Research Center and Under Armour. Currently, she is the head of medical education at Rupa Health and host of the Root Cause Medicine podcast. This interview is so perfect for our BIA community. If you have PMS, heavy periods, estrogen dominance, low progesterone, acne, cramps, or any of the other gnarly symptoms that come from bad periods, or you know anybody who struggles with their menstrual health, you're going to want to tune in to this episode. So let's get into it. Dr. Carrie Jones, we'd love to start with the basics, actually. You know, there's definitely a lack of education when it comes to women and us really understanding our hormones. So I'd love to get your perspective. What are hormones and why is it so important for us to understand them? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Hormones is absolutely my favorite topic to talk about because I feel like if women just got a little bit of explanation when we are in school, it would just solve a lot of problems for us. If we just knew what was happening and knew how to self-adjust, it would probably save trillions of dollars, doctor's appointments, and a lot of heartache, right? So a hormone, what I tell people, is essentially a text message. It is a molecule. It is basically a thing that goes from one gland to another gland and tells it what to do. For example, the brain will send a hormone to tell your thyroid to make thyroid hormone, which then go out into the body and do stuff. Or your ovaries send out a hormone. They send out estradiol or progesterone. Mm -hmm. And of course, those hormones do things with your mood, with your bones, with your brain, with fertility, all sorts of stuff. So that hormone, however high or low level that it is, being a text message is like, is it a normal text message that's just sent on time communicates, you know, or is it in all caps, bold? You know, is it is it there a time delay? You sent it at noon, but your friend didn't actually get it till 3 p.m. for some reason. It's the same thing in your body with your hormones. And so we need them. We need them at specific amounts and specific times, crystal clear communication, so that we can basically activate or deactivate certain things in our body that help us do better, feel better, and achieve our goals. I have not heard somebody so succinctly talk about hormones <laughs> in a way that I understand. So me, I love this. I love this, Carrie. So I actually want to get your perspective also on maybe, you know, some of the signs of what does a hormonal imbalance look like? Because for so many years, I was living with a hormonal imbalance, and it wasn't really until Can and I started the company that I really begin to understand, like, just because these symptoms are common, it actually is a red flag and doesn't mean it's normal. So I'd love to get your perspective around that. And I love that you said that common does not equal normal, but we get taught all the time. Common is normal. Oh, you have cramps, totally common. Oh, your periods are heavy. Yep. It runs in the family, totally common, right? You know, I get headaches at my period. Yeah. Well, so, so does your aunt. It's very common. It's like, no, These are big symptoms. And so all our hormones are a little bit like Goldilocks, too little or too much, and we're symptomatic. And it depends on the hormone. So let's stick with like estrogens, like estradiol, which is our big potent one. So if we don't have enough estrogen, we tend to feel or be menopausal. So we might have hot flashes or night sweats Mm -hmm. even when we're young. We may have bone Mm -hmm. issues, bone loss, bone fractures osteoporosis, osteopenia, even when we're young. We may have brain issues, brain fog, depression, worse anxiety at any age. Now, too much estrogen relative 
is the opposite. Now that's when we're getting into things like my periods suck. I have PMS, premenstrual syndrome. I'm bloated. My periods are heavy. I'm growing things. I'm growing polyps. I'm growing fibroids. Mm. My endometriosis is worse. My mood is worse. And so where, if you're too low or too high, you can get these symptoms. And as I'm saying these, I know a lot of women listening, well, men too, can relate. I mean, these hormone symptoms can happen to any gender. It doesn't matter. Um, but predominantly for the women that are listening, they're like, yeah, that's me. Or I get really tired or I get GI symptoms or my skin breaks out or my hair loss is worse. I'm like, I know it can, it, hormones can play a role in all of those symptoms. And what do you think is, and we'll dig into this so much more in the interview. There's a lot I feel like we could talk about right now, but I'm curious, you know, why do you think, or what do you think are some of the causes of what's causing these hormonal imbalances with women? Because it is so prevalent. And I believe it's like 80% of women are dealing with some kind of hormonal imbalance, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And honestly, and people hate when I say this because it's not sexy, but a lot of it is our diet, our lifestyle, and our environment. So our hormones, you know, I call them text messages, but they also react. They're reactive. They're dramatic to everything around you. So if you are trying to type out a text message and your dog knocks your phone out of your hand, the text is not going to go through. It's the same in your body. If you're, if a part of your body is trying to send a hormone to another place and you're, you know, overtired, undernourished, missing nutrients or vitamins, or exposed to chemicals, it's the equivalent of the dog knocking the phone out of your hand. Like, it's just not going to happen the way that you want. And so I say it's not sexy because what does everybody want? We all want a magic pill. Carrie, what's the one pill that's going to fix my PMS? What's the one pill that's going to help me not be moody the day before my period? I'm like, well, actually... (laughs) <laughs> it's we have to start with the diet, the lifestyle, and the mm-hmm. chemicals, and especially those chemicals because people don't realize they act like hormones. So they're called endocrine disrupting chemicals. Our hormone system is the endocrine system. So if you've got chemicals that disrupt it, you're going to feel it. And so these plastics, these parabens, mm-hmm. the herbicides, the fertilizers, et cetera, et cetera, that are in our water our ground supply, our air, but also in our makeup, in our storage containers, our shampoos, our lotions, our candles. People hate when I say this, our perfumes, you know, all those scented things really do affect our endocrine system, our hormones. And what they do is they act like a hormone. So they don't mimic as in they don't look exactly alike, like a twin, um, but it's close enough. And the body can't tell the difference. It isn't quite sure if plastic is plastic and it needs to get rid of it, or if it kind of looks like estrogen. So I guess we'll just let it bind to the receptor, bind to an estrogen receptor and turn it like a lock and a key. Just like you don't want a stranger walking into your house who kind of looks like you. It's the same thing in your body. If plastic kind of looks like estrogen, your house is like, come on in. Yeah, like, sure, do what you want. And of course we know that means it's just going to wreak havoc. So tying in some of those basics, I feel unfortunately are really what start the path for hormone dysfunction. There are a lot of other things, um, you know, either parasites or gut health, um, you know, viruses, illness, deficiencies, whether it's a mineral deficiency, vitamin deficiency. But ultimately, unfortunately, our society is set up where hormones are like, forget this, this is tough. And they're either too low or too high, and then we get the symptoms. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. This goes perfectly into my next question, which I think 
so often when people feel bad or off, like they have insomnia or they can't sleep, they're bloated, maybe they're having mood issues. What's really disempowering in that situation, I think, is the pill for every ill model, mm -hmm. which is I'm not sleeping well. Maybe I'll take an Ambien. I have anxiety. I'll take Xanax or whatever it might be. And I think medication can absolutely be necessary in some of those situations. But what's more empowering to me is just having a basic understanding of what's happening in the body. I remember when I went to grad school and we were learning about the Krebs cycle and all the vitamins and minerals and nutrients that you need for your body to just function. It was so empowering because it's like, if you don't have just some of these basic things are not being met, some sort of imbalance can occur. And I think so often in the case of hormonal imbalances, people, they're like, I feel off. And maybe they're given, hey, just take birth control or here, take the sleeping pill or whatever it is versus going to their practitioner and their practitioner saying like, let me explain a little bit of what's happening in the body. So you might be able to use nutrients or lifestyle or whatever it is to fix this. So I want to paint a common picture of something that we hear. And I would love for you to tell us what's happening in the body in the situation. So somebody is having PMS, breast tenderness, heavy periods. They're really moody in the luteal phase. I know it can be a lot of things, but big picture, what's going on in the body? Oh my gosh. So first of all, here, here to the first part that you said, absolutely. I am shocked at the number of, uh, I'm not, I shouldn't be shocked, but yet every time I am shocked at the number of people, you know, you might ask, well, how often do you take ibuprofen, for example? Mm -hmm. Oh, I take it every, you know, at least every month. Well, when do you, why do you take it? I get headaches or I, you know, I hurt. Where, where are you in your cycle? I'm, you know, they, oh, it turns out it's close to my period. Every single month you take ibuprofen every month. And, and it doesn't dawn on them like, oh, you know what? I do take it every month and I am, yeah. you know, this is what's happening in my cycle. And so we have been taught as a society, just as you said, there's a pill for every ill. So we can check out of our body and then just take this pill and not really pay much attention to it in the moment. And then over time, the snowball rolls and gets bigger and bigger. And suddenly, unfortunately, we're usually on a bigger, better, worse, I, not even better, bigger, more worse things that can happen. And so to go to your second question, which is the picture of terrible PMS, bad periods, feeling bloated. So the finite detail of that really is an estrogen progesterone issue. Now, mm -hmm. what caused that estrogen progesterone issue is very varied. But what happens in the luteal phase is that when you release the egg, when you ovulate, you are supposed to be making boatloads of progesterone, mm. boatloads, milligrams worth, which is a lot. Milligrams is a, is a lot. You know, think of a supplement your supplement is in milligrams. Whereas you only make micrograms amount of estrogen, estradiol. Mm. But if that is shifted at all, if your milligrams are dropped way down a progesterone, or if your estradiol is making a lot more micrograms than you expected, maybe you didn't ovulate at all. So your milligrams of progesterone is zero. So estrogen is winning. Either way, that ratio gets knocked off. And because of that, you do not get the soothing, calming, relaxing effect of progesterone. The, the, the beat bloating effect of progesterone, you lose that, but you get all the growth part of estrogens. Mm. So now you get the heavy periods, the feeling bloated, the watery tension, the moodiness, because estrogen can play a role in your brain and the mood when it's too high or too low. And so poof, now what she says, now she's calling you two. She's looking up on your websites, like what, <laughs> give me something, help me to figure out what's going on. And really it's this imbalance between estrogen and progesterone at the tiniest level, the like most finite level. And that was definitely me. So when I, I was on birth control, right? I didn't know otherwise I had a horrible PMS. I get off of it. My hormones wreaked havoc and I definitely had higher estrogen because I had all these things that you and Kay are talking about, breast tenderness, bad cramps, moodiness. And I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, we talked about a few things, but maybe what are some of the top things that you see? You know, we talked about diet and lifestyle, which can I preach so much, um, but maybe what are some of the top things that you see with your patients that help kind of metabolize someone who might have higher estrogen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the first thing is your estrogen. Uh, I talk about estrogen detoxification a lot and detoxification in our body is not, um, it's it, like it's it, it happens 24 7 365 right it, your body is constantly 
breaking down and clearing out everything you come in contact with. And so I will often get asked, Carrie, what's the best estrogen detoxification? What juice drink can I do? What supplement can I take? And I'm like, oh no, estrogen quote cleanses isn't like a three-day thing or a seven-day thing. Like it happens every day. It happens on your birthday. It happens on Christmas. It happens on Sundays. Like it does not matter. It is happening all the time. So we have to be aware of it all the time. And the, a big part of estrogen detoxification happens in the liver. Mm-hmm. Then a big part happens in your GI tract and a big part happens through your kidneys. So we know of other ways to detoxify, whether you like breathe it out or sweat it out, your lymphatic system, your hormones mainly stick predominantly to liver, GI tract, and kidney. So I'm thinking first and foremost, liver. What medications are you on that are heavy hitters on the, on the liver? Are you taking Tylenol or acetaminophen often? Big hitter on the liver. How much are you drinking? Alcohol is a big hitter, right, on the liver. And then, Kea, you mentioned nutrients and, th- and, um, and, and minerals and things. Like your liver requires a ton of this to make it go round. So if you're deficient in B vitamins, if you're deficient in magnesium, right, if you're deficient in choline, it's going to slow down your liver's ability on top of if you're taking all these medications and are exposed to all these chemicals. So then we get to the GI tract. So that's the first thing. So the GI tract is the second thing. So I'm asking people... You know, the super sexy questions, are you pooping? Are you pooping daily though? Are we getting it out or do you have a long history of constipation? Do you have gas? Do you have bloating? Do you have heartburn? Do you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Do you feel like when you eat, it never really digests and you can see it come out the other end often? So these are all the questions I start to think of. If you're having issues in your GI tract, you're probably going to have issues getting your estrogen out. And then kidney, are you hydrated? Or are you taking medications that might be slowing down or affecting your kidneys? And it's amazing the number of people who truly are underhydrated. Um, you know, they just don't drink a lot of fluids, especially in the winter. They don't, their thirst response isn't really there. It's cold outside. So they're not thinking, oh, I should probably drink fluids of some kind. And they get to the end of the day and they're like, oh my gosh, I have had a cup of coffee and a glass of water and that's it. <laughs> no, 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 not hydrated. We, we need to hydrate you. And so I hope I, when people are listening to this, um, they're thinking, all right, these are easy things I can implement. You know, I can, I can absolutely evaluate my alcohol intake. I can absolutely evaluate what medications am I taking? Do I, do I actually need to take them? Um, or do I, should I figure out why I'm taking acetaminophen all the time? Am I hydrated? Am I getting enough um, fluids in? So that's like a really great first start. And then the second thing really is going back and evaluating all those chemicals How many wonderful smelling candles do you have all over your house for decoration? All that scent are phthalates, pH phthalates, and they're endocrine disrupting. What are you using in your garden outside? What are you using in your makeup and your skincare, your eight layers of skincare that you've got and your body and your detergent that smells like lavender and, you know, and right, like your dryer sheets that smell like citrus, like all, you know, all of a sudden you look around and go, Ah, dang. <laughs> you know, these might really be affecting me, even down to our, you know, pads and tampons. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, I have had so many women in my comment section say to me, I switched to 100% organic and it made a big difference in wow. my flow or my cramps going from scented, God forbid, or the sprayed and switching to something more organic. And I thought, man, that's really powerful. Just, just that little change. And to notice a big difference, especially in cramps, Mm -hmm. um, massive. And so these are things I want women. I wish we got taught this in school, right? Middle school, high school, because if we knew this stuff back then and we could, as adults, we could go, oh, you know what? I've been drinking a lot more lately. Oh, you know what? I was just, my period started. I just grabbed the first box of tampons I could find. That makes sense. Oh, you know what? I've been gifted a lot of candles lately. I really should probably clear myself a candle. You know, if we knew this ahead of time, then we could look around our life and our house and go, all right, I can make some changes that have been really affecting the way my estrogen plays in my body. I remember seeing um, a TikTok video of this one woman who was struggling with a lot of uh, hormonal imbalances, fertility issues. She'd been trying IVF. Nothing was successful. And listen, there's so many causes for all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. I'm not saying anything there but i remember also seeing her next video which was clean my house with me and the amount of toxic Mm -hmm. chemicals lysol clorox all of this stuff that she was using in her home and i thought like 
I, women don't know this. Mm -hmm. They're struggling with all of these things and they don't know that all the stuff they're using in their house could be contributing to the problem. So it's definitely very interesting to see. And so does what you're saying, this kind of three steps of estrogen detoxification or the three systems, is that related to the bathtub analogy that you use? Yes, (laughs) it sure is. I would love for you to explain that. Yes. So when I explain detoxification in general, I'm a big, I'm big into visualization analogy, especially in science. If science is not your forte and you're listening to this, sometimes it's nice just to have a clear picture in your head. So I always talk about the clawfoot bathtub analogy and it has to be clawfoot because um, I'm extra and I want a clawfoot. So there we go. So because it's a three stage, stage process in detoxification, um, the water coming into your bathtub is phase one. Now you can't ever turn off your water. Remember I said, this is 365, 24, seven, it's always happening, but we can't adjust your water from cold to warm to full on hot. And it's the same in your body. So that's phase one. And then once you go through phase one, you have to keep going. We have to neutralize you. And that's considered phase two, which is the drain. So is the drain in your bathtub clogged? Well, if it's clogged or closed, guess what? It overflows your bathtub, ruins your bathroom, just like in your body. Now let's, as we move through your your drain, we have to get out into somewhere. So if you live in city limits, you probably are connected to the sewer line. So now we go through the sewer line and that's the same in your body, either throughout your kidneys or out your intestines and out into the toilet. But if your sewer line is clogged, or cracked, or broken, or not working, it doesn't matter because it's going to, again, back up, it's going to smell funny, and it's going to ruin your bathroom, just like it would ruin your body. So I tell people in your body, your actual bodies are going through detoxification, we start with phase three. How do you eliminate? Are you hydrated? Are you, you know, how are your kidneys? How are your intestines? How's your, how is your mouth health all the way down out the other end? Because people forget Um, that dental health, gum health, tongue health, we swallow all that bacteria right down to our stomach, right into our intestines. So from the mouth all the way down, super important for GI health, gut health. So are you having a bowel movement every day? What's going on there? Gas, bloating, constipation, inflamed gums, heartburn, et cetera. And then we work backwards. Now I'm going to look at your drain. So your drain is about neutralization. And in your body, you use certain nutrients to do that. Magnesium is a huge one. Mm. And literature shows a lot of people are very magnesium deficient. Mm-hmm. Now, magnesium is a tough one because everyone says, well, what magnesium should I take? Because some magnesiums will um, induce diarrhea, <laughs> like it will really move through the body. And others are better absorbed and don't, they have a more maybe calming effect, like in um, magnesium glycinate or maybe affects muscles like magnesium malate or the brain, which is magnesium three and eight. And so I understand even magnesium is kind of challenging because some people go, oh, I don't like magnesium. It makes me have diarrhea. Like, oh, just the form. We just need to switch your form. Mm -hmm. Um, And then zinc is another big one. And so many, zinc got so much press, of course, the last couple of years because of the immune system. And so we might be zinc deficient just because it's been busy fighting viruses but we're not eating a lot of foods with zinc in it, or we're not taking, you know, our multivitamins we've forgotten, or we're not getting an extra zinc. And so we're thinking immune system, but the body goes, hello, zinc is used in so many reactions, including detoxification. So now we're at the, the drain and then we just go up one. So up one is the water. How do we adjust the water? And so the water is that as we go through the first part of the liver, predominantly, and this is where, um, in, with estrogen in particular, estrogen has three kinds of choices it can go down. So it can go down pathways that are maybe, let's say, like good or better, <laughs> better, okay, and worse, let's say. And remember, we can't ever change the We can't turn it off, but we can redirect somebody's water. So when it comes to estrogen, there is a pathway. We call it the two pathway. Thankfully, they're numbered, so it helps make it easy. But we have a two pathway, we have a four pathway, and we have a 16 pathway. The two pathway is the pathway that we'd prefer. And the two pathway responds really well to your brassica family of foods. Broccoli, cauliflower, Mm. Brussels sprouts, those kind of foods. It responds really well to like just sprouts in general. Broccoli sprouts as opposed to full-grown broccoli. Um, And so by eating those foods, you're going to support that better pathway, that two pathway, Throwing in some broccoli sprouts, you know, to your smoothie or your salads, grow them yourself. They're super, super easy. And now there's, you know, 
DIY companies out there to help you get going. Um, so from a food-based perspective, we can really help from the water, through the drain, all the way out into the sewer system so that your estrogen can go down the right path, get neutralized, and then thank you, goodbye, get cleared out of the body. That's great. That's so practical. I <laughs> yes. Yes. It really breaks it down to, for people to understand. And I want to get into some of the um, things like DIM and all of that in a bit, but I yeah. think we want to back up a little bit. And Yasmin, I know you were thinking about asking this question, but I'm going to jump in Go about progesterone. Um, we talked about the importance of progesterone and how much your body should be producing towards the second stage of your cycle. I would love to talk about what is progesterone? What does it do mm -hmm. in the body? And what are some, we talked about some signs of low progesterone, but let's talk about ways to boost our progesterone. Absolutely. And progesterone, depending where you are, it like either gets no love, all the love goes to estrogen, or for, if you're in the know, like you two, then it gets a ton of love, which is important because progesterone is our calming, soothing, relaxing, everything's going to be okay hormone. But it is also our hormone of progestation. So whether you do or don't want to get pregnant, the body doesn't know that. There's no switch that I can flip. There's no app I can toggle off, unfortunately. But so progesterone plays a big role in making sure the inside of your uterus is ready to go for implantation and, and to grow a healthy fetus. So progesterone, though, is um, only out in the second half of your cycle. So when you have your period, really low. When you're leading up to ovulation, really low. Not her time to shine. Once you've released the egg, the, the like kind of like reverse Pac-Man, it like spits out the egg. And then that form that's left over turns into what's called a corpus luteum or corpus luteum. And that pumps out progesterone. So you only make progesterone if you release the egg, if you ovulate. Mm. And so it climbs up. It should go up like a really big, tall mountain, not a bunny hill, not like a little, you know, like a little speed bump, like a full on big mountain that you see in the Colorado Rockies or out here in the Pacific Northwest. And the reason for that is calming, soothing, relaxing, grow a baby if, if, if you're looking to get pregnant. But as I said earlier, a lot of people don't have that experience. It is a bunny hill. It is a speed bump or it is pretty flatlined because they didn't, you didn't ovulate that cycle. So you don't feel calm. You don't feel relaxed. You don't feel soothed. And the inside of your uterus isn't happy. So mm -hmm. heavier periods, clots, more prone to polyp formation, fibroid, uh, fibroid formation, maybe your endometriosis symptoms are worse. So we love progesterone because it is so helpful in that second half of the cycle. But we have to back up. So when you ask, like, well, what can we do to boost progesterone? Progesterone, again, we have to make sure you ovulate. So let's figure out why you're not ovulating. Why does the brain not want you to ovulate? Is it because you've been overstressed? Is it because you've been, your eating has been like super out of whack? Is it because you've been traveling a ton, crossing time zones? Is it because you've been sick? Have you been, um, do you have a thyroid problem? Do you have too much prolactin? Are you on some sort of medication that's going to, one of the known side effects is it knocks off ovulation, you know, accidentally. So we have to back up and figure out why, why don't you make a lot of progesterone to begin with? And maybe it's age. Maybe you're in your late forties, early fifties, perimenopausal, had it in a menopause. And then that's a natural progression as we get older. So um, by finding that out, now I can address it because there are a lot of maybe, let's say, general support for progesterone. So for example, um, chase tree berry, which is um, an herb, evening primrose oil, magnesium again, vitamin B6, vitamin E, all supportive for progesterone, except let's pretend your progesterone is low because you have a thyroid problem. Well, I, we've got to adjust the thyroid. Or let's pretend you have PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, so you're not ovulating. All right, we have to address the PCOS. Chase tree can be helpful. Vitamin C can, or B6 can be helpful. Vitamin E can be helpful. But again, going back to like, what's that root cause? Why aren't you ovulating? Why don't you make progesterone? We have to start there. So what's the connection between progesterone, estrogen, and hormonal acne? So somebody who is experiencing breakouts just before their period or the week of their period. Hormonal acne can obviously be caused by a lot of reasons, but when it particularly comes to estrogen and progesterone, um, they affect our saltwater balance. So what can happen with our saltwater balance is that our um, receptor, we have receptors in our skin that can cause our skin to swell a little bit. And when we've swollen, we can trap bacteria in our skin 
And now because we have trapped covered over bacteria, we tend to break out right before our cycle when those, if those hormones are out of balance. Now, this is a little bit different from our androgenic acne um, or cystic acne. So that's often caused by higher or um, abnormal levels of testosterone or DHT, even higher levels of insulin. And those are the women who say my jawline. I get acne on my jawline, my chin, down my neck. A little bit different because we have those androgen receptors where testosterone binds. We have those androgen receptors. And when they get bound to cystic acne, the, the formation of cystic acne is often what can happen. But if you're getting sort of around, you know, on your chin or on your forehead, and you know it's right before your, your cycle, estrogen, progesterone, salt water balance. However, those hormones do also have an effect on like your gut health. And our, we know our gut health, what happens on the outside of our skin is a reflection on the inside of our body as well. And so as, and oftentimes those women will say, I'm either really constipated leading up to my cycle, or I have loose stools leading up to my cycle because those hormones are changing our gut microbiome. So what do you mean exactly by saltwater balance? And is there anything that we could do about that? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, so <laughs> honestly, so everything we've been talking about has been, is super helpful. Anything you can do to help that estrogen progesterone um, ratio with the chemicals that you're exposed to, with, you know, the food you're li like limiting or eliminating alcohol, your nutrients, all of those things are super, super helpful. What I mean by saltwater balance is you have the receptors, they're called mineral corticoid receptors. And they determine, do you keep sodium in your body or do you excrete sodium mm. out of your body? So water release. With healthy levels of progesterone, we tend to feel less puffy, less water retention. With more levels of estrogen, we tend to get that like, I'm so bloated, I want stretchy pants only, you know, I, my pants just feel kind of tight, my rings are tight the day or two before my period. So estrogen can have that effect all over our ankles, but we forget it can happen in our skin too. And so our skin, because of the, we get puffy stretches or covers up the, um, any, ac or any, uh, the acne, um, uh, bacteria, and then we're prone to breakouts. You know, Carrie, one thing you've mentioned throughout this interview that I want to underscore a little bit and talk maybe slightly a bit more about is alcohol oh, yeah. and its impact to hormones. So I'd love to just kind of get your thoughts around what your thoughts are on alcohol and, and women's hormones. Oh, it's such a hard one because alcohol is so used socially and it's so used as a stress yeah. response, as a relaxation effort. But alcohol, in my experience, th so this is what happens. This is what tends to happen. You, you two let me know if you feel this or get this response as well. In our community, which tends to be a more, let's say, biohackery type community. So they'll say, well, Carrie, I only drink tequila. I only drink tequila because tequila does not affect my blood sugar. It's great. Still alcohol. It still has to go through the bathtub. Yeah. It still has to go through your liver and it has to get excreted out. Or they will say, Carrie, I only drink organic, biodynamic, no sugar wine. I'm like, fantastic. When I have wine, I do too still alcohol. <laughs> you still have to process it. And if you are struggling with a very full bathtub, why add in more? Why add in alcohol? So for, and I've had, I've seen patients for years and they didn't realize even a glass or two of whatever they're drinking. Often it's wine. Yeah. Even if they're just doing Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Carrie, I only drink two or three days a week. When they cut it out completely, they're like, my next cycle was perfect. I'm like, I know alcohol mm. plays a big role. Unfortunately, all the bad stuff in life, all the fun stuff in life are bad for us. <laughs> and alcohol affects women more than men. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Yeah. Alcohol is a bully. This is what I tell people. It's a bully. So when estrogen and alcohol <laughs> are trying to get through the liver at the same time, alcohol will win. Your body is in, in the act of breaking down alcohol is toxic, right? It, it, it's actually really pretty mm. toxic. That's really, which is why people feel, we feel crappy afterwards or get hung over. Um, I mean, one of the reasons, the other is dehydration and losing out on, you know, B vitamins and things like that. But yeah, it's just really hard for us. And it tends to get harder as we get older. Our enzyme ability to break down alcohol decreases as we get older. So what we could do at 21, 22, by the time we're 32, yeah. 42, 52, 
ouch, <laughs> it doesn't work the same. And I'm kind of thankful for it because alcohol makes me feel like shit. So it's yeah. just not worth it at this point. I know. It's, I pick and choose your battles. That's what I tell people. Yeah, people, they're like, are you completely against alcohol? I said, I, no, I no, I definitely on a special occasion. Um, I was on a girl's trip actually two weeks ago and absolutely enjoyed my glass of wine. You better believe it with my best friends. Um, but is it my, do I normally drink? I don't, not, not anymore. I feel like you, Kaya, I feel terrible terrible the next day, even with one glass. So I just limit it to special occasions. Oh, yes. Amen. I went to a friend's birthday this other day and I don't drink because once I kind of, I mean, here and there occasionally, but I just feel significantly better. But I had one drink Saturday night and it was just like you were saying, Carrie, like good tequila. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be like high quality. The next day, I'm like, it's just not worth it. And it's just, it's just, I wasn't functioning. And so I think what, like you kind of mentioned with some of your clients, once they stop and you see how amazing you feel, it's like, you don't even want to go back to that. So it's my biggest motivation of not drinking just because I feel significantly better there. So I would love to talk about cramps. So a lot of people come to BIA and start seed cycling. I would say probably in the top three reasons is because they have very painful periods. So they're getting a lot of cramps. Um, they might have to stay home from school or work the first few days of their period. It's just completely interfering with their lives. Like they have to take pain medication. So what's going on in our body when we have extreme cramps? The mechanism of action behind cramps are these things called prostaglandins. So prostaglandins squeeze. They cause spasms. So the more prostaglandins we have, the more prone we are to the squeezy, spasmy feeling, thus cramps. So then why do we have so many prostaglandins? High histamine, high estrogen, estrogen-like chemicals. So when we add all these things together, some people really, really experience pretty severe cramps. So when they go on the seed cycling, not only are they helping to balance their hormones, but they're also getting all that fiber to one, bind up junk in their GI tract, improve their gut health, which is only going to improve their entire systemic health, lower things like histamine, and get toxins moved out. So we've got hormone balance coupled mm. with you know the, the GI gut benefit, and now their cramps tend to improve, tend to feel better. Yeah, I love that explanation. Um, some of the other things that we talk about when we are going through the education, go, coming back to estrogen, is things like DIM, uh, calcium deglucarate, and sulforaphane. And I know they're different and they have different purposes. So I would love for you to walk us through, because I think uh, I never heard anybody explain it the way that you do, like, hey, just slapping DIM on your problems <laughs> is not going to help unless you're working on all of the other stuff that needs to be worked on. So what are these things? When are they beneficial? We'll start with DIM. So DIM stands for methane, and it comes from your broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts group of family. It's, it's a supplement. And what it does is it helps push your estrogen down that better pathway that I mentioned earlier, that two pathway. So remember the numbered pathways of the water, the two pathways, the better pathway, DIM helps you go down that pathway. And it actually physically lowers estrogen out of circulation. So DIM as a product will pull, if you have high levels of estrogen, pull it out of circulation for back, lack of a better description and push it down that better two pathway. Now, the problem though is you're only in the water section. You're only in phase one. But if your phase two and phase three aren't working, then you, you can still have bathtub overflow issues and ruin the bathroom. It's the same in your body. So now we're gonna move to sulforaphane. Mm -hmm. Sulforaphane is my personal favorite. Sulforaphane comes from broccoli sprouts. Not broccoli the whole floret, but actually broccoli sprouts. And when you chew up broccoli sprouts, mm. you make sulforaphane. And sulforaphane helps a lot with the drain. It really helps move the phase two detoxification. In fact, it, I believe it turns on some 200 phase two detoxification uh, enzymes. So that helps the drain. Then we talked about calcium deglucarate, CDG, wow. and that calcium deglucarate is in your phase three. That works in your GI tract. That helps estrogen 
that is in a box with a lid and a bow on it stay in the box. So calcium deglucrate essentially tapes it down even further, even more, so that you don't have little scissors coming around or little knives opening up the box and estrogen can fly free out of the GI tract. So calcium deglucrate is great for your sewer line, if the bathtub analogy, to keep it out. So when people say, well, where do you start, Carrie? What's your favorite? Um, I prefer to start with phase three, the calcium deglucrate and GI help, sulforaphane, and then if I need to dim, or maybe we wait, maybe you don't actually even need dim after you've worked on all these other things. Wow, that's super helpful. Um, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. And I love that there's like that stepwise process there. So I want to talk about COMT because I think that MTHFR was like the hot snip on the <laughs> block for a very long time and everybody was talking about it and it's all about like do you have mthfr what is it but there's something called comt which is really important what is it and what is its connection to estrogen and what is mthr for those of us who want <laughs> i love that the lingo is good <laughs> yes mthfr methyl tetrahydrofolate so it is a uh, and it, so MTHFR and COMT are SNPs, 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 basically they're little genetic variants um, that can affect how you do or don't handle folate uh, from your diet or from supplements, etc. COMT stands for catechol-O-methyltransferase. It transfers a methyl group onto, in this example, an estrogen. It works in the drain section of the bathtub analogy. So when I mentioned the very beginning in the earlier section, the bathtub in the drain is where you neutralize your estrogens. So that putting that methyl, when you transfer the methyl on, you've essentially neutralized your estrogens. So when we're making COMT, when we're making um, uh, the, I guess we call it like the cycle, think of like all the cogs in a watch and how they all have to turn at the same time and be by them turning all the other cogs in the watch turn as well. All your cycles in your whole body do that. So you're, you need healthy, appropriate levels of folate. So MTHFR plays a role for the cycle that's going to make your COMT work. So for estrogen detoxification, both are important, but we give a lot of press to COMT because it truly is the heavy lifter to neutralize your estrogens so they don't wreak havoc. Here's where it gets interesting. Magnesium is its favorite cofactor. So by adding in or making sure you're getting enough magnesium mm. can be really helpful. Zinc can be used as a backup. But then there are a number of other B vitamins, um, nutrients like choline, uh, betaine, um, that can also help make this whole cycle go round. So when we're focused on the drain section of our bathtub, that's where we think COMT really is a star player. And how can somebody identify, um, you know, if this is something that they need to focus on? Can they go to just their regular practitioner and say, hey, I heard about this. Is there a way to understand <laughs> if this is a SNP that I have? Because maybe not. Um, typically, functional medicine doctors or integrative doctors or naturopathic doctors are looking at that. But is there any other way for somebody to identify that information for themselves? Nowadays, a lot of people have this information because they've chosen to get genetic testing done. So maybe they've done like, you know, the real popular one for a while was 23andMe. So a lot of people have this data but had no idea what to do with it because there was no education around it when it first came out. And now if you have that report sitting in some file somewhere, pull it out and look for COMT because there's a really good chance that that data is going to be on there. Or if you chose to do genetic testing um through another group. COMT is so common that a lot of companies will run that. Now, as far as can you walk into your primary care doctor and say, test me for COMT? Unfortunately, they probably won't. They might test you for MTHFR, um, but they might look at you like you're a little bit crazy or that like, oh, you learned that on social media, didn't you? When in fact, we all know that it can be really, really important in somebody's health. So to learn specifically about COMT, MTHFR, and the, a whole bunch of other SNPs, you will have to get into the genetic testing to know that specifically. Knowing that information, though, is just like a blueprint. Those are, that, those are, that's how you were born. That's how you were created. 
But then we want to see how does it actually manifest in your body. I want to see your estrogen and your estrogen detoxification markers, right? I want to see your, uh, your, like your folate levels as an example, or markers around folate, such as homocysteine. So what's great is that we can look at the blueprint using genetics, but then I can actually see it in real time with other testing. So let's talk about PCOS. Uh, what is PCOS and what are some common misconceptions around PCOS? Polycystic ovary syndrome. It's actually one of the number one endocrine disorders that women can have. And it unfortunately is often um, maybe discussed as if it is an overweight woman who has cycle issues and really high insulin when we know now that it really falls on a spectrum. To me, PCOS falls on a spectrum. So you may or may not have polycystic ovaries. You may or may not have really irregular cycles. You may or may not have high levels of androgens like testosterone and the symptoms. So you have to have some of those things, but it is not a one size fits all mm -hmm. anymore. It is, it is definitely really important to know that you can have maybe what we would call an expected weight woman for her height sitting in front of you and her PCOS endocrines in her body is really, really affecting her reproduction, her cycles, her skin, et cetera. And you can have somebody who is maybe has a higher BMI, body mass index, and has no PCOS, mm -hmm. their insulin's fine. So it's, this is why it's important if you suspect PCOS to not get sidetracked maybe by the dogma that's out there. There's only one way to have PCOS. There is not. Um, and we do have to uncover some stones. We do look at insulin. We do look at androgens. We are looking at your hormones. We're looking at a lot of things when it comes to PCOS. Dr. Carrie Jones, I know we talked about a handful of topics. We 100% need to do a part two with you, but it was such an honor having you join us today. And thank you for just being such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to women's hormones and educating so many of us. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much to both of you. I appreciate it so much.